The following is brought to you in part by MFC Studios. The views of the show's host and guests do not necessarily reflect those of the management, owners, or staff of this radio station. And now, it came from the radio. Again, to it came from the radio, the official of the Big Apple Con. This is your host, Mark Torres, speaking with me via virtual distancing. I guess this is for our first show of the new year, even though we're still in the end of the old year. Is another and senior correspondent, Charlie Saladino. Happy New Year, fun seekers. And we have L Man Jenny Felton. Happy New Year. I'm eating tons of cookies throughout the show. <laughs> On this week's show, we have another Jay Bentley segment, and I, meaning Mark, uh, interview crowdfunder president David Barish. Uh, but before we end, before we do any of that, we have to take it away with the news. Take it away. It's morphin' time. The news is brought to you in part by the fine folks of uh, Sci-Fi Radio. That's Sci-Fi for your Wi-Fi. So as the uh, fine folks at the Big Apple Con, which you are the official ratio of, celebrating with 27 years of pop culture and this and comic book stuff. For more information, go to www.bigapplecc.com. The next convention, which is their Big Big Apple Con, it'll be scheduled for March 25th and 26th of, I guess, this year. Um, and I want to give a shout-out to our Patreons, of which there are. Danny Grillo, award-winning director Jared Perel, Kyle Horn, Millie Portez, Newsday Famous Dresden Media, Unjikun, Shadow Rabbit Art, Yasmin Array, Rosa and the Hurricane. You want to have your own little shout out on our show? Go to www.kingfurter.com. Go on to the little button that says donate. Takes you right to our Patreon page. And just wait all a month. You can get a shout out on our show. Greatly appreciate it. All right. So, as always, we start off with the sad news. And we have only one bit of sad news this week. Wow. Nice. Okay. Um, actress Sonia Eddy died recently from an infection after a non emergency surgery uh, while appearing in such slash TV shows as. High School High, I love that movie. Uh, Sour Grapes, Patch Adams, Blast in the Past, Inspector Gadget, the live action one, Nelly Professor Part 2, The Clumps, Stranger Hearts, Barbershop, Mikasa Tsukasa, Leprechaun Back to the Hood, I think that's like Part 6, um, Promised Land, Surviving Christmas, Coach Carter, Bad News Bears, Great Iron Gang, Seven Pounds, Answers to Nothing, the Incredible Burt Wonderstone, Pee Wee's Big Holidays, Primetime Glyph, Joan of Arcadia, and Black Jesus, just to name a few. Sony is perhaps best known for her role of Epiphany Johnson in 543 episodes of the daytime soap General Hospital, as well as for 25 episodes of the spinoff series General Hospital Night Shift uh, from 2006 to 2022. She was 55 years old. Oh, man. Now, I don't think uh, you don't, you're not a, a soap opera fan, right there, Charlie? Well, I, I knew a lot about the soap operas, but General Hospital was... Uh, an ABC soap opera, but it was shot in L.A. Right, right, right. You always tell so, me that every time I bring it up. I always forget. Yeah, yeah. So I wasn't familiar with um, the only people that I was familiar. I was only about three people that I was familiar with. And John uh, John Stamos was one of them. So okay. I knew him. Oh, that's cool. 
Um, so that was it. So that's it for the sad news. So let's move on to the not as sad news from the That's a lot of nuts department. The new Avatar sequel has held on to the number one spot in the domestic box office, pulling in an additional $64 million in ticket sales in its second weekend release, beating out the new Puss in Boots sequel, which came out at number two with $12 million in its first week of release. For those of you keeping track, the new Top Gun sequel is still the highest grossing film of 2022, and with uh, $718.3 million, followed by Black Panther Part 2, at $427.9 million. With, as of this recording, which is three days left to go before the calendar year is over, the aforementioned Avatar is at number eight with $287.6 million and Puss in Boots is at number 46. So I guess the question is answered. Um, Top Gun held on to the box office for this year and now we will see Man. if Avatar has any legs and be the big winner for next year. Um, Questions. Yes, what is... How many of our listeners do you think actually care how much each movie makes from the movie theaters each time they're in theater? I wonder. I wonder like what people are like, oh, I'm going to see this movie because I hear I made this much money. Or I wonder, right? I would say uh, a percentage of our listeners well, care. <laughs> yeah, I wonder. Way- I, I wonder. I'm not even trying to be smart. I'm, I'm actually just curious. I, totally. The way I look at it is... Personally, I don't care, but obviously people do because they do have a section for the in the news, all the newspapers who that say that how much it and I and Jen, I agree with you. I I guess enough people care about it, but I mean I'm not one of them. Well, a lot maybe they people... care about it because they want to know what's popular, so they know how to yeah. like if they're gonna market from it or something. Well, think... maybe. Maybe the um, the um, the movie the movie studios themselves put that out so people would be interested. I don't know. Mm-hmm, it mm-hmm. is true. It does. Uh, it, I I think the amount of money people use that as validation for whether a movie is good or not. And I've said it many times. It has no bearing on whether a movie is good or not. It just says how many people bought tickets. But mm-hmm. to uh, the general audience, the general population, if a movie yeah. made money. It must be good. Well, mm-hmm. well, or or people were interested in going to see it. It could have been a lot of people to go to see it, and they all came out of there saying this movie sucks. Right, so that's and, what I'm saying. It all it but, only yeah. says is how many people, how many tickets were sold. That's that is right. bare, That is what right. it actually was saying. But people right. tend to misinterpret that as to this movie's really good right. because it made so much money. So yeah, something yeah. like Top Gun that held out all those weeks, you know that's a great movie. It, it, some people may not like it. I, I enjoyed it. But it only means that it sold the most tickets. That's the only thing it actually Right. Means. Well, I can't wait to get the DVD because I never got a chance to see it. Right. Was Top Gun interesting? I thought so. I thought it was a pretty darn good sequel. It was a solid sequel for a 30-year-old movie. Um, mm-hmm. They brought back uh, some of the cast members. And I found that if you don't remember Top Gun, because I hadn't seen Top Gun in 20-something years, and I was, I was right back in. I was like, oh, okay. I know what's going on. It was a very simple mm-hmm. story. It was good. It was emotional. They, it was, I, I, was, I was highly entertained, and I didn't think I was going to be. So that made it even better for me. Well, I've, I've seen... Top Gun several times. I can't wait to see this. So you pleasantly surprised, I would imagine so. Um, so moving on. Also from the That's a lot of nuts. 
department. At a recent auction, the original mechanical model from ET the extraterrestrial has been sold for $2,560,000. For those of you who didn't know or care for that matter, the aluminum alloy skeletal model was operated by 12 professional animators with movements including facial expressions, nose, eyes, mouth, lips movement, neck, shoulders, arms, hands, fingers, chest, abdomen rotations via a combination of cables connected to electronic apparatus and mechanical elements. So that was like like a prop, like the actual working mm-hmm. ET sold for $2 million, over $2 million, $2.5 million. Wow. It's crazy. There's somebody who has... Yeah, some somebody who has about eight million dollars pocket change in his pocket. You know, I can see that happening. I'd rather have a house than an ET thing. Like, it, first of all, I, had, I keep the ET thing in a closet because it'd be too scary to just see it. So now I wouldn't even know I had it because it's in a closet. I decided out of mine. Two million dollars. Goodbye. Yeah. So you would just put the two million dollars in a safe, and you'd be the same way, right? Yeah, now, what is he going to do with it? Keep it in his basement for only his friends and family to see? I have no idea. (laughs) Open a museum. But if you open the ET museum, (laughs) Chuck tickets. Yeah, open a museum. Come down here. Look what I just bought. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to do that. I'm going to open a museum with one prop. You know, it's funny. (laughs) See, it's funny you mentioned that because I was watching an episode of the new Beavis and Butthead that they made. Right. And uh, Beavis and Butthead found, they thought they were found dinosaur bones. It was actually like chicken bones. And they made a museum for one dinosaur bone. They charged people to come see it because they thought they were going to be millionaires. So it's kind of the same thing. They have this one oh. item and they like come up to our gift shop and they had t-shirts and stuff. <laughs> and you saw was the it, one this item. Was, this was recently produced? Yeah, this is the new Beavis and Butthead. They, they oh, that's like my episodes. idea. I am Beavis and Butthead. Yeah, see? Well done. Yeah. So, now- Yes. Now this guy could charge a photo op for uh, <laughs> ET. Imagine yeah, that. exactly. So moving on to complete the trifecta from the that's a lot of nuts department at a different auction. The Aaron Judge 60 second home run ball has sold for one point five million dollars at auction. Auctioneer says <clears throat> that's the magic of sports. This ball didn't only change Aaron's life. It changed the life of the fan who was in the stadium that night, too. Uh, the fan was none other than Corey Yaumans, Y-O-U-M-A-N, Yaumans, who caught the ball in the stands. He was sitting in the front row of Section 31 of left field on uh, October 4th. Uh, Corey says, congratulations to Joe. Uh, no last name given. Given the historical significance of number 62, it was important to me that selling process was fair, accessible, and transparent. Joe seems like a great man and the perfect steward for the special piece of, M- of MLB history. Um, when asked about it, Aaron Judge, who hit the ball, says he caught the ball. He's the one that made the play out there in left field. So it's his, to, it's his right to do whatever he wants with it. Hopefully, he's oh. making the right decision for him and his family. So Holy the guy crap. caught the ball. And then sold that ball for one point five million dollars. How about that? Well, usually, wow. usually there's a whole to do about giving the ball back to the player, and then the player, in turn, gives the the fan several several uh, memorabilia things. But I guess uh, I guess Judge it. didn't want to. Yeah, he <laughs> the just sold it. Usually takes it back. But judge, 
Judge doesn't seem to be upset, which is, you know. Player usually takes it back. Is, is that the case, Charlie? I, I don't know. I don't. I have no idea about this. Charlie, Let me the tell player? You, the player judge, takes it judge back? Is, judge is the player. He hit the 62nd home run of the year of the, of the year and the the fan caught it in the stands mm-hmm. and sold it right but uh, jen is asking do they normally give the ball back is that a normal thing oh hell yeah <laughs> yeah they 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 the uh, guards go up escort the guys back to the locker room and then like judge gives them because the players love to keep that stuff in their trophy room and judge usually would probably give them a bat, uh, uh, you know, a shirt, autographed shirt, uh, wow. stuff like that. But, but never let him keep the ball. But yeah. he can't yeah. sell it for $1.5 million with the bank. Right, the right, right. But, but wow. again, you're the guy who accomplished the feat. You would like to have that ball in your trophy room. Obviously, Judge didn't give it. Oh, my give God. Stop. Jeez. Sorry. Uh, yeah. Wow. Uh, First one of the year. Thank you, Charlie. Thank you so much. Okay. Hey, I'm for him, not for me. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, here for all you guys. Happy New Year, everybody. <laughs> oh my um, God. But I mean, <laughs> yeah, I mean, for me, not to want that ball, like if it was me. I mean, the last last time that happened was in 1961 when Maris hit 61 home runs that year. No one has come close to that except this year. So to me, that would be a milestone. But what and, happened with um, the other guys? Wasn't it uh, uh, the guy who hit 70, uh, Mike, um, Barry Bonds and Sosa, right? Those guys? Wasn't yeah, that a big thing? I, that was a big thing. And I believe they got those balls back. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's, it's and you always see there's a whole big publicity thing where you see the the two the you know the player and the fan together and you see the player getting bats season tickets whatever but again being a lot calmer now i guess judge <laughs> didn't want that ball and uh i don't know i guess uh, i guess next year he's preparing to hit 63 i don't know all right uh, so moving on from the, hey, that wasn't in the movie, follow-up department. As reported on our show almost a year ago, two guys, Connor Wolf and Peter Michael Rosa, Rosa, R-O-S-Z-A, uh, decided to sue Universal Studios as representatives in a class action lawsuit for $5 million in damages due to actress Anna de Armas, despite being shown in a trailer for the movie yesterday, was nowhere to be seen in the actual movie due to her scenes being cut from the theatrical release of the film. You remember that, Charlie? We were talking about that? Yeah. So at the time, the lawyer says, because consumers were promised a movie with Anna de Armas by the trailer for yesterday, but did not receive a movie with any appearance of Anna de Armas in it at all, such consumers were not provided with any value for their rental or purchase. Now, they only paid $4 to rent a movie. Um, the principal actors in the movie yesterday were largely unknown before the film was released. For example, the actor which played protagonist Malik uh, Him- Himesh Patel never acted or starred in any film prior to yesterday. 
Similarly, the actress who played Ellie, Lily James, was a relatively unknown name to the casual movie watcher. Consequently, because none of the yesterday film leads were famous, the defendant, which is Universal Studios, could not rely on their fame to promote the movie to entice viewership. Universal sought to have the lawsuit dismissed, claiming that trailers are, quote, non-commercial speech and protected under the First Amendment. However, recently, a U.S. judge allowed the case to continue, saying that trailers are indeed commercial speech and thus beholden to both California's false advertising law and the Thank unfair you. competition law. The judge says, the judge says, Universal is correct that trailers involve some creativity and editorial discretion, but this creativity does not outweigh the commercial nature of a trailer. At its core, a trailer is an advertisement designed to sell a movie by providing customers with a preview of the movie. Uh, the court is limited to its representations as to whether an actress or scene is in the movie and nothing else. So basically, the, the, the case hasn't been heard yet so like you know to be decided but it's allowing it to move on to the next court which is crazy if you think about it if this goes all the way trailers as we know it will be gone you think they'll be gone well they're they they can't make misleading trailers they can't put something that's in the trailer that's not in the movie right right but that doesn't so, mean couldn't they make like truthful trailers well, that's what I'm saying. Trailers as they are right now, which I would say 80% of all trailers are misleading. misleading? Well, are I mean, really? well, look at it this way. We're going to use the barest example. You have a movie, you make yeah. people want to go see this movie because the, the object of the trailer is to make you think the movie's sure. going to be good yeah, by yeah. showing you scenes well, in the movie. And if right. you go to the movie thinking it's going to be good and those scenes aren't in the movie, that's full right. of advertising. Right, right. Does, does that happen a lot, though? Uh, yes. Matter, as a matter of fact, um, Disney, Marvel, the big, big, big budget movies, believe it purposely change the trailers. I'm losing Charlie. What, Charlie? Advertising. Anytime you do that, it's false advertising. Right. Wow. Interesting. So, for example... Um, oh, am I back? I think you're back. Charlie, are you back? He, Charlie may or may not be back. Hi. Uh, so for I'll, I'll use this example, which is actually a pretty darn good one. Um, the Avengers movie, the Endgame. You hear me? You're, oh, you're, you're, you're flashing in and out there, Charlie. Hey, what? I'm definitely he's flashing in and out. Um, so yeah. Avengers Infinity War, they had a trailer, and they purposely changed stuff in a trailer to not have spoilers for the movie. Okay. And then um, uh, Rogue One, Star Wars Rogue One, mm -hmm. they had a lot of stuff in that trailer that was not in the movie. That's actually one of the reasons why I don't watch trailers unless wow. I uh, unless I'm not sure if I want to go see the movie. And yeah, Ew, we it's lost so Charlie crazy they would do that. Like, why would you put all this stuff in it that's not even in the movie? Well, it's usually for two reasons. The first reason is that the people who make the trailers do not make the movie. And so sometimes they only get an earlier cut of the movie. So mm -hmm. they don't know what the final product's going to be. They only give them what, you know, these pieces. And, gotcha. then, the, and then the studio decides, well, we're going to cut it for time. It had a test uh, preview. And like, oh, well, this didn't work. And, oh, that makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. Or 
for as, as the cases with many other places, um, they purposely change stuff in the trailer to not give you spoilers. So yeah. uh, the biggest mm-hmm. example, which was a, a big deal for me as an Incredible Hulk fan, there was a trailer and there was a shot of all the Marvel heroes running towards something. And it had a big old Hulk running towards it in um, Avengers Infinity War. Now in the movie, the Hulk was not in the movie beyond the first five minutes of the movie. That scene didn't exist. They purposely put that in there to make you think he was gonna come back. And then when he didn't, it was supposed to be like the big shock. So it's crazy that if they say, you have to have every scene or every person that's in the trailer in the movie, then they can't cut certain scenes. They can't take out certain things. So Charlie, you're back. Yeah. All right. So go, what do you got to say about this? No, I was saying that's blatant false advertising. Um, that shouldn't be allowed. Uh, you're going to a movie based on the trailer. That's what you're doing. You they'll and the trailers, they're putting their best trailers, their best scenes in those trailers to get you to that movie. So I think it's it's a, definitely a miscarriage of justice to um, lead these people on. So as, as we were just saying about how much money a movie makes, <laughs> the yeah. only reason is because of the advertising and that's part exactly. of the advertising. So you're being misled to go into this movie. Yeah. But it, it doesn't have to do with, you know, if you like the movie, don't like the movie. So what they're only saying is that this, a person, an actor or actress, or scene that's in the trailer has to be in the movie. Yeah, now. and I agree and with them. It ha- we haven't gotten so far as the uh, the case has been heard, but it's allowed to go that it's allowed to go to case. So and well, it should. It's going to be very interesting, and it can change the entire way movies are being advertised. If you think about it. Yeah. Well, listen. Back in the day, when there wasn't trailers on on TV. Um, the only trailers you had were in the movies when you went to see a movie, but the poster, we talked about this. Yeah. The movie poster was everything. That was the promotional thing for, you know, for the normal everyday Joe. That was the promo for the movie. Everything that was drawn on that poster was in the movie. And I remember the first, um, back in the 60s, they had King Kong versus Godzilla. Yep. And um, I remember that movie poster specifically. They had everything when I went to see the movie. Everything that was on the poster, because I was a kid and it impressed me, was in the movie. And... I mean, this isn't something new. I mean, they've been having misleading trailers forever, but it's only become more prevalent, I would say, in the past five, six years. It's really been a big thing now to purposely, they they go out of their way to mislead you to go see this movie because, as they claim, they don't want to give away spoilers. Um, So think of it like this. Let's say, Jen, you're in a movie, right? Yeah. And um, you talk about it, you're promoting it, and then the movie comes out, you're not in a movie. That's false advertising. You're like, what happened to my totally. part? And it got cut. But the people yeah. who the trailers, they didn't know you got cut. And you know, you're in the trailer. So that also makes a big difference for all the actors and actresses who are cut. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I, I think this is this is a really, really big case 
And uh, I, I'm very interested to see how it's going. I'm really glad it's actually moving forward. So we have about a minute to go. So Elman and Jenny Felly, final thought. I got to just tell you this time of year, all I want to do is sleep and eat. So anything you hear from me for the next few months, it's going to be very sedated. <laughs> all right. Senior correspondent, Charles, Senior correspondent Charlie Saladino, final thoughts. Easy for you to say. Um, <laughs> just in this new year, let's try to be nice to everybody and watch out for those ugly nipple cookies. <laughs> That's funny. That's funny. And that we don't have to believe. So with that, we're going to take our break and we'll be right back with the game from the radio. Ciao. Hi, you've heard my voice open and close the show. Now we want to hear your voice. If you have a business or product, you can record a commercial here. We offer 30 and 60 second spots. For more information, contact Mark at MFC underscore studios at hotmail.com. My neural net processor is linked to sci-fi.radio. sci-fi for my Wi-Fi. The more I listen, the more I learn. Hi, this is Ellen Dubin, star of Lex, and you're listening to It Came From The Radio. Keep listening. Hey guys, this is Christy from Custom Cakes by Christy. I want you to know that I'm here for you. I'm keeping my private kitchen open for any needs your family may have. I've been focusing on bread, soups, muffins, quiches, and other basics, but I'm still accepting dessert orders as well. Please follow my Facebook for immediate pickup items. Private message me for custom orders. Custom Cakes by Christy, I-N-C-K-R-I-S-T-Y. Text me at 631-606-8166. Now, back to our show. Hey, this is Jaybird and Lee, and we're here to talk about movies, music, TV, and what's going on in our part of the world. Today, we're going to talk about the holidays. The holidays, the year of 2022 is almost over. Isn't that crazy? I feel like we haven't left 2019. I know. It's it's I feel, 2019. 2020. Oh my gosh. The year I, went no, fast. No, it feels like we're literally just circling around 2020, like multiple times over and over and over again. Like it doesn't feel like the year has ended yet. You don't think so? No, because it's just been COVID for, like, years. Yeah, but now I think we're kind of moving away from that. Yeah, but it's... I don't know. It still feels like we're... It doesn't feel like much is... Like, a lot has changed, but it feels like nothing's changed. Yeah, I guess that's... Like, when we're in the moment of the year, it feels like everything's going so slow and so boring and blah, 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 blah. But then when we're (laughs) at the end of it, we're like, oh. Yeah, it's here. Yeah. Yeah, How did that happen? That's true. This year is kind of like a weird one, but we did a lot. What do you? What was? What was your highlight of the year? Or a couple highlights of the year? That's a hard one. Yeah. Well. Um. Disney. Yeah, Florida trip. Yeah, that was a good one. Um. Newport, we went. Newport, yes, that yes, that was very fun. Yeah, Newport. That you, was fun. You went, went on the scooters. Yeah, that, that we had a good. That was that was a good trip. Yeah. And what did we do recently? Oh. I, I went to the city a couple times. That was very fun. Yeah, and, oh, and concerts. Yeah, you went to a bunch of I just of realized concerts. we went to the most amazing concert that's concerts this year. Oh, that's right. We went to Grandson. Yeah. And I got to sing with him. That's right. And we went. I went to Bryce Vine. Twice or once? Twice. And, and K-Flay. And K-Flay, right? Like, my favorite artists at the time 
So you got when this... I got to see that, yeah. Oh my god, this year was awesome. Yeah, so you got a good year. Yeah, this was a good year. Yeah, even this though was it was a very good year. Yeah, you're talking about COVID, but hey, man, you had a great time. Oh yeah, no, this was a very good year. Yeah. So what you... were your highlights? Oh my gosh, I don't know. I feel like I feel like grandson was a great one to do. Yeah, because we um... were right up front and like. Yeah, your uncle Jason got married. Oh my god, yeah. That was unbelievable. I forgot right? about that. I, f- I feel like they've been married for years already. You feel like it, but, you know. They're not, but, like, still. <laughs> yeah, that was a great party. That was a fun one. Remember, oh, like, yeah. everything that we were going to at the time, like, every song or every event was always Mr. Brightside? Yeah, that was really weird. Yeah, I remember that. It started off with Uncle Jason's birth. I mean. No, it started uh, off with. That's what I mean, the, their wedding? No, it no, didn't when start, did it start no, off with K-Flay? started off with K-Flay. K-Flay, and then. Grandson. Yeah, and then ever since then, it was just Mr. Brightside. And I'm never going to forget that memory of, at that wedding, every guy on the dance floor got into a circle and started singing, Mr. Brightside. It was like the only lyric everybody knew. Oh, yeah, because everyone was just like standing around during the, like, the rest of it. Right. But then when it hit Mr. Brightside, they all put their arm up and were like, yeah! That was a song by the Killers, (laughs) in case somebody doesn't know. You know, it was a great song. Yeah, it was it was funny though, cause it and then like afterwards we just kept hearing that song. <laughs> Every place we went. Yeah, it was really weird. Yeah, I mean, we, I went to a birthday party, um, and Rob Bass was there. Oh yeah. You know, and I think actually Mr. Brightside played there as well. That's weird. It is weird, right? What's going on with Mr. Brightside? Is it just becoming super popular? I guess it. Again. I guess this year it is. <laughs> At least every place we go to, I don't know. Maybe um, you know, who knows? I, I feel like it's just a strange thing. So we'll see. Uh, all right. Are you looking forward to any of, well, Hanukkah and presents and? Oh yeah. What do you What do you want? What's your number one present? Um, a giant squishmallow duck. I don't know about that. Oh come on. Ugh. It's I love I love stuffed animals, but this one's giant. All right. Okay. Squishmallow. It's huge. That's crazy. But then there's also mini ones. And mini that ones. are very cute. So too. that's what you're looking forward to. Yeah. <laughs> oh boy. Well, uh, I don't want anything else unless it's like money. All right. Okay. And money. we're gonna go away for the holidays too. Where are we? New oh yeah. We're going to Lancaster. Oh yeah. Well, I don't think there's much to do there. Well, we're gonna hang out with a bunch of people, and we'll have a New Year's party, and, yeah. and that'll be uh, the end of the year. Very sure. Yeah. So are you excited? Uh, so you, so squashmallows for Hanukkah or yes. Whatever, we're going to go away to Lancaster, and you had a good year. Mm-hmm. No, it was a very good year. Good right. looking back on it. Yeah, that's what you're supposed to do. Yeah. You look at the year, and you see what you did that was awesome. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't even remember. Like, the year, it went fast, but those were some pretty big highlights. I'm trying to remember. Oh, yeah. Where else did we go? I mean, Disney was huge. Yeah, that was that was a good one. Did we ever talk about Disney? Yeah, we did. We did? Oh, I right. think so. I'll have to look at that. We did half of that. Me think, and Riley did one. Oh, you and one. Did Riley did it, yeah. Yeah, and we started talking about, like, everything. But I don't think we got to the gist of it. Well, maybe we'll do a show. Yep. All right. All right. <laughs> stay safe, stay healthy, and stay connected. Bye. The Comic Book Depot has been in business since 1993. Your one-stop comic book shop for comics, gaming, and collectibles. The Comic Book Depot club membership is $15 and gets you 15% off new comics, back issues, graphic novels, and 10% off comic book supplies. Located at 2847 Jerusalem Avenue in Wontaw, New York. Contact us on Facebook for curbside pickup because new comics are back. For more information, give Alan a call at 516-221-9337. The Comic Book Depot.
Michael McManus. I played Kai on Lex. You're listening to It Came From The Radio. Hello, friends. This is Ranger Rob, and I'd like to talk to you about dog poop. That's right, dog poop. I invented Ranger Rob Pet Poopy Bags, a very large bag with handles. My bags support large and small dogs and smell like lemon. They are strong and affordable. You can find Ranger Rob Pet Poopy Bags at Amazon. They come in sheets or in rolls and come with a dispenser. Once you try Ranger Rob Pet Poopy Bags, you'll never want to go back. So come join us. Go to Amazon and try Ranger Rob Pet Poopy Bags today. Now, back to our show. And welcome back to a Game from Radio, the official Big Apple Con. This is your host, Mark Torres, speaking with me via virtual distancing. It's none other than crowdfunder president, David Barash. Say hi, David. Hello. Is it Barash or Barish? Um, it's Barish, but Barish. Uh, I'm not that particular. <laughs> I, you know, as, as they say, call me whatever you want. Just don't call me late for dinner. Ah, all right. Nice. So, um... For a little behind the scenes for people listening to our show, I actually saw you on a friend of the show's uh, live stream, uh, J.D. Calderon, talk Indie Comics Explained, which I moonlight sometimes as a co-guest uh, host. And I, I saw you, and I heard about Crowdfunder, and I had heard inklings of it beforehand because, um, as people who are listening to the show also know, I did a Kickstarter campaign. We didn't fund, but um, when I learned about um, Crowdfunder, I was like, holy crap. Why didn't I use these guys? So I guess my first question to you oh. is, where have you been? Well, that's so great question. Um, so Crowdfunder as a uh, crowdfunding platform for the arts launched in June. So uh, actually, it, today is our six month anniversary. We launched on June 21st. Today is December 21st. I don't know when the show airs, but uh, today when we're recording is the six month anniversary. And um, so that's where we've been. It's been six months, and that's probably why a lot of people don't know about us. But the company that makes Crowdfunder is called Connection Point. And Connection Point has been doing crowdfunding for 12 years. Um, we've done over a quarter of a billion dollars uh, raised for campaigns uh, across 200,000 campaigns in over 100 countries. And so the platform itself is extremely mature, extremely sophisticated, uh, and, um, and fully featured. Uh, but to, in the arts world, in the creator world, uh, we were we were relatively unknown. Um, although if you do a, a Google search for uh, Kickstarter alternatives, you'll see that uh, Fundraiser, which is the um, uh, the predecessor to Crowdfunder in the Connection Point portfolio, is um, is sometimes comes up as the top alternative, and sometimes uh, you know in the top five. Um, so. While many creators had been using fundraiser in the past for their uh, for their campaigns, we thought it was uh, it was time to create um, a creator focused, a creator specific platform using our technology, and that's how Crowdfunder came to be six months ago. So was it a meeting? Um, I always think about the the there's a commercial where they had the meeting um, for the for the taco sauce. It's like there's like a boardroom like should we make taco sauce or oven mitts and everybody just raises their hand. Was it like that or was it <laughs> something uh, like a catalyst that that decided you to go hey, let's help out the comic book creators? Well, so that's a great question. There there were actually uh, two things that happened. The first was 
that um, we we realized that with fundraiser we had uh, we had a few really active audiences, um, and fundraiser you know um, for the most part is a social impact crowdfunding platform. So we have a lot of nonprofits on there. Um, and a lot of people raising money for, um, for, you know, helping for just helping them out with, with, uh, uh, personal mishaps, but we identified three other audiences in crowdfunder, uh, sorry, in fundraiser that were doing really well. And what we decided to do was to, to kind of lean in and make fundraiser really about social good, and then take these three other audiences and build, um, essentially, um, platforms that were, much more dedicated and much more focused on what those uh, audiences need. And so the other two audiences, aside from creators, uh, are um, CocoPay, which is our platform for healthcare funding. Uh, 140 million people in America every year say that they are suffering from financial hardship because of healthcare bills. And so CocoPay is a crowdfunding platform to help them. Um, and then PetFunder, which is launching next year, uh, is to help people that have um, um, expenses, veterinary expenses, unexpected veterinary expenses that are hard for them to cover, but of course they they love and want to take care of their pets. And it's also to help pet rescues and humane societies. Um, so we decided to launch all these uh, all these um, dedicated platforms, but CrowdFunder wasn't in our as far as our strategic plan goes. It wasn't really slated to launch until 2023. But what happened in early earlier this year is that uh, a creator named Matthew Allison, who uh, who does has been doing a, um, a character called Cancor for the past 10 years, decided to do a collected edition. And he didn't want to do it on one of the other crowdfunding platforms. And so he went out and asked the source of all wisdom and knowledge, Reddit, uh, <laughs> what other platform he should use. And uh, the answer that he got was try, out, try fundraiser. So he did, and um, he set a goal of $25,000. He ended up doing uh, $62,500. And when we talked to him, he said, you know, I think there are a lot of comics creators that would be really interested in what you're doing, but fundraiser feels like a social good platform. I don't think they're going to feel at home. And we said, hmm, funny you should mention that. And so um, he brought together some other comics creators who who uh, we talked to and um, and they were saying we'd like, you know, we'd really like to use Crowdfunder. Um, and we'd like it now. And that was in March. And three months later, we launched Crowdfunder. Wow. So talk about the universe coming together to make something better than what you already had. I mean, doing all this good stuff for other people is awesome. And then. I guess pivoting while keeping the other stuff active, going towards the comic books, and it is a huge untapped market because, um, as as you're very well aware of your competition, which would be Kickstarter, Indiegogo, and maybe even Zoop, you know, it's they know yeah. that comics is a thing. They do, yeah, and um, and I, I I also since you mentioned Zoop, I do want to give a shout out to them for the great work that they do. Um, they. Um, they really have come into this market and done some really great stuff. And so I admire their work. Um, the, the, the primary distinction between us is that um, Zoop has the, the um, uh, everything set up to be able to do kind of a, a beginning, like the whole way through the beginning of the end, um, not just the crowdfunding, but also marketing and uh, um, uh, organizing printing and fulfillment and all that. And we really focus um, on the crowdfunding side, just the platform uh, the platform side of it. 
Um, and, um, and of course our fee structures are different, you know, they're providing a lot of services and that, um, you know, that, that has to cost some money. Um, and our platform is free. So that's a, a big distinction, but, but Zoop is really doing great work. Um, so I, um, I definitely want to, uh, to praise them on what they're doing. We actually had a uh, Jordan Plosky on our show, uh, when I was talking to Zoop and I, and mm. I, and I talked to him and I mentioned that Zoop to me would be like back in the nineties, like Fox was just coming out there like the brand new hip guy. And they try to do something different as opposed to traditional <laughs> ways. But you, I would put you in a son, uh, kind of, you're kind of like PBS where you have this foundation beforehand and then you're just branching mm-hmm. out to comics. So it's, I think it's a very interesting dynamic between the, the, the two of you guys, which I've had you both on. And then of course the quote unquote established of Kickstarter and Egogo. Now, obviously competition, right. um, breeds benefits for everybody i always find so do you agreed f- so what competition do you find like okay we have to beat these guys or like we're going to work together or like they're doing their thing we're going to do our thing what's your approach to that um well i guess it depends who you're referring to um when you say these guys these guys would be um, the crowdfunding your your competition i mean the, the three all of them okay yes <laughs> all of them yeah so, so, um, you know, our, um, um, our CEO had, a, a, an incredibly, um, um, friendly conversation with, uh, the CEO of Indiegogo, um, and, you know, the, their focus is different than ours. Um, we, you know, they, they, they do comics. Um, a lot of their comics is not, um, uh, the kind of comics that, that, um, that necessarily are suitable for crowdfunder. Um, and as, as far as Zoop goes, um, you know, like I said, we are certainly competing with them, but we also do, um, we also, we're also talking, Jordan and I talk, and, um, we're hoping to collaborate more with each other, uh, to, to help the industry as a whole. Um, and, um, as far as Kickstarter goes, uh, I don't really have a relationship with anyone there. I certainly would welcome one, but, um, so I, I can't speak to that in, in all I'd say, our focus is really on um, on the indie creators. No project is too small for us, um, and you know we really want to give a voice uh, an opportunity to the people that um, that otherwise would not you know feel that they could either afford or or um, or uh, have an opportunity to have their campaigns be seen. Um, and so you know we are welcoming um all kinds of we are welcoming essentially you know a diverse audience uh, we are very inclusive and we um we're hoping that um that our that uh, any creator that's looking to uh to get their stuff out there would consider crowdfunder um and so we like to think of ourselves as the creator friendly platform and that's because uh we do things differently like i mentioned earlier um crowdfunder is free uh, there are uh, three ways of uh, of looking at that. Uh, we have a few models that the creator can choose on on how we get paid. Um, but and if if uh, it's a little hard to describe on the radio, but if you take a look on our website, um, the one of the models brings the cost of crowdfunding down to two percent and and potentially lower, which is um, that is inclusive of credit card fees, and that is the lowest possible way that you could sell um, your, your product anywhere. Cause you can't avoid credit card fees. Uh, but we can get it down 
below the cost of credit card fees. And so, um, you know, so that's that's kind of where our focus is. Um, I I think that, um, you know, like you said, competition is good across the board and that if we can, uh, if all of us um, um, can continue innovating and uh, elevating the quality of what we do, it will ultimately benefit the creators. And I think that's great. It's it's weird because um, once again, going back back in the day, I'm dating myself. Um, Wizard Magazine, I don't know if you're we're familiar with them. They were like huge back in the 90s and they had conventions and, and whatnot. And then a little upstart guy came along called New York Comic Con, Repop. And yeah. <laughs> I, I, we had Lance, the head of New York uh, Comic Con on the show back then. And he was telling us how he wants to be friends with everybody. He wanted to work with everybody and make conventions the best, the best thing ever. And I remember distinctly that Wizard was not having any of that. <laughs> And he did some, mm. let me say, not, not professional things <laughs> to the guys at uh, New York Comic Con back in the day. So yeah. I think it's really cool well, that you want to work together as opposed to, you know, I want to beat everybody and be the best and, and what have you. I think it's a really good outlook. Well, thanks. I, uh, I really do think that um, that success comes much more from collaborating. Uh, and I'm sure lots of comic creators can relate to that. Um, than it does from from trying to to go at it alone, and um, and so I do look forward to you know we are we've we've started collaborating with um, with some other uh, companies with, like with uh, Comics Wellspring, which is a, a printer um, and fulfillment. They um, they do great work, so we're we're starting to collaborate with them, uh, and they're actually offering a fifteen percent discount off of printing to um, to people who run their campaigns on crowdfunder um, and you can check their website out for that. Uh, and then, you know, there are a few other groups that we're talking to about, uh, about collaboration. Um, and, you know, it just makes us for a stronger ecosystem for the creators. Uh, and that's, that's the goal, right? As you know, that's what we I, would, do. I would hope so. <laughs> yeah. Um, one of the things I've noticed about your website, as you were mentioning the, the quote unquote, the quote unquote, because you have the virtual free, the almost free and the, kind of sort of free different methods yeah. on your uh, website. And that was the one of the drawing points because um, as I mentioned, I did the, the crowdfunder and I didn't know what the hell I was doing. It was my first time ever doing it. Circumstances led me to do it. And there was a lot of stuff that no one was talking about. And a lot of things that just listening to other interviews you've done, I'm like, holy crap, you seem to make this more mark friendly. And I am really bad with technology. So can you talk a little bit about yeah. how is it the user-friendly uh, approach? Yeah, so um, I guess the the as far as like using the platform itself, we try to make the platform itself um, user-friendly by including uh, a task list and uh, and tips that get emailed to you throughout um, while you're while you're setting up your campaign. Um, and we try to make things, try to put, you know, all the, the things directly at your fingertips that you would need in order to, to set up your campaign. But it goes beyond that. We also have something called the Creator Hub, which is linked from the top of our website. And in there, there are um, a bunch of resources that in a community where you can ask questions about, you, you know, how to do your campaign, how to what where to get your stuff printed, what, what fulfillment houses are available, that sort of stuff. But there's also uh, some toolkits that we created that are really detailed, I would even say almost courses 
on how to strategically plan a crowdfunding campaign and then execute that strategic plan with all kinds of tips on, on how to do it. There's math in there on how to calculate what your goal should be. Um, there's you know estimates on, on the uh, ways that you can calculate your odds of reaching that goal. Um, there's a, a bunch of content in there that really helps uh, people understand the full scope of what a crowdfunding campaign is um, and how to go about it. You know, crowdfunding is one of the ways to get your uh, to get your work produced. Uh, there are obviously others like finding a publisher or 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 getting a grant or you know other methods. Um, but it it's not it's not magic. Like it takes some work. You've got to you know you got to plan and um, and uh, and work at it in order for it to succeed. Uh, you know, on some platforms, if you're if they're if they've got you know over hundred campaigns starting every week. Um, you know, you've got to make sure that you've got a way to get noticed and not rely on the platform to bring you an audience because let's be honest, there aren't that many people in the world who are just going through and, and, and browsing, uh, campaigns to see what new stuff is available. There are people who do that, but it's not a huge audience. The majority of an audience from a, uh, from a campaign is going to come from the marketing that you do. And so we have in the creator, we have all kinds of tips on how to market, um, how to build your crowd. Uh, and and I think another part of this is that, you know, we we allow you to run multiple campaigns, con even concurrent campaigns. So you don't have to wait until you finish a campaign and fulfill it in order to start another one. And the reason why we do that is because we believe that crowdfunding is a really great way to connect with your audience and build your audience. And so the more you put your stuff out there and get it in front of your audience, the more likely you are to find new people um, that uh, that discover your stuff and that are able to become part of your your fan base. So that was a bit of a rambly answer, but I think <laughs> you know. Yes, I think I hit on. Yeah. Um, we're almost out of time, but I want to hit on one of the most yeah. important things that um, I noticed about crowdfunder. And that was like the selling point for me, because I am going to, they always say, you know, you never, uh, you never lose if you, if you quit. So I'm going to go back with the, with the, with the comic, go back with the crowdfunding, try it again. I'm going to try um, crowdfunder because I've, I've taken a look around. And the one thing that I like most about it, and I want you just to mention this uh, briefly, is that you don't have to sign sure. up for anything. All the other crowdfunding sites, yes. you have to sign up for. It. Even um, Kiva, I don't know if you're familiar with Kiva, but it's a really good um, crowdfunding. Yes. I love those guys, and I actually uh, made mm -hmm. a, I made some money off of that, and and I was able to pay it back. And it was great. It was one of the best experiences I ever had. It was Kiva, and that's great. Yeah, they're great. Now you don't have any sign up. So how can you work that in? How does that work in your company? Because everybody else does it. Why okay. don't you do it? <laughs> Okay, so it really boils down to what I think is the, the the primary distinction between our platform and other platforms, and the primary distinction is that um, we don't ever touch the money. Um, so what that means is that when you come in and you create a campaign, you would put in your Stripe account, your PayPal account, and any money that's pledged to you goes directly into your account and we don't touch it. And because we don't touch the money, we are essentially uh, a bridge between you and your customer. They're your customer, not our customer. With all of the other platforms, 
you are you don't have a direct relationship with your customer because the customer the, is the platform's customer. That's why they have to create an account with a platform because the platform requires them to be their customer. And the creators that are on those platforms are essentially suppliers to the platform. So if you think about it, you can either be you can either have a direct sales relationship with your customer or you can be a supplier to a retailer and that retailer uh, has the relationship with the customers. So because um, because um, it's your direct relationship with um, with your customer, we don't require them to create an account with us because they're interacting with you and um, and you will get all their contact information and it is completely portable. It's your contact. It's, you know, they are your customers. So you get all of the information about them um, that you would then be able to take that relationship that you've developed with them inside of Crowdfunder and then move it over to your online store or move it to your Patreon or move it to, you know, any other uh, mechanism that you use to foster that relationship with your customer. That's the, I think the primary distinction. So it's almost like, um, you know, the other platforms work on an Amazon model where there's a marketplace and people put all their stuff in there, but ultimately the customer is Amazon's customer. Um, with us, we're a little bit more like, let's say Shopify, where you come and you create your campaign slash store with us. And then uh, people are transacting directly with you, but on, you know, with within uh, a platform that where you have built your presence. And I think that's really awesome. And does that uh, quickly, does that go with everything else for connection point is the same model or is it different just for crowdfunding? It's the same model. Wow, that's really it's cool. the same model across all of connection point. Yeah. So then I will reinforce what I say. You guys are like the PBS of the uh, social media crowdfunding <laughs> world. Um, we are, I say less than two minutes to go. So we want to throw out all the social media stuff where people find out more about you, find out more about crowdfunding and find out more about the other business that you run. Yeah. So for um, for Crowdfunder, um, you can find us at crowdfunder.com. There's no E in Crowdfunder. Um, so it's um, uh, Funder without an E, Crowdfunder. And then uh, on social media, we are Crowdfunder on Twitter and Facebook, um, Crowdfunder underscore on uh, Instagram. Um, we are also Crowdfunder in YouTube. I'm trying to remember all the places. And in... Uh, and in um, um, so just Google crowdfunding. I am blanking without on any. the name. You should, without yeah, crowdfunding without an E, and you should be able to find us. And then, okay. uh, of course, at the bottom of the crowdfunder page, there's a link to Connection Point, and from there you can find our other uh, properties. Okay, cool. Um, do you have platforms. any final thoughts before yeah. we uh, we wrap this up? No, I'm. Thank you for inviting me. It's uh, it's always a pleasure to to talk uh, and to um, to explain what it is that we do. We um, we we really love. Uh, um, creators and we really want um, we really want to support them and help them and help them grow uh, and, and find new opportunities so uh, I hope they, that your listeners will check us out and I hope everybody does check it out like it's really simple for me and if for me to say that it's pretty going to be very simple for everybody else um, thank you so much for being a guest on our show um, I actually want uh, going to have an open invite for you to come back when the pet thing comes out because I'm also thank a pet you. lover so I want to talk more about that when we get to that point but um, yeah I hope to be in contact and much continued success and continue being the PBS that we all need thank you thank so, you so much so with that we're going to take our break and we'll be right back if we can't turn the radio
Ever wanted to enter the world of comics but didn't know where to start? Worry not, true believers. We at the Comic Book School may just have the answer to your questions. Created by comics veteran Buddy Scalera, the Comic Book School is a free online educational resource that helps rising creators learn the craft and business of making comics through resources like forums, interviews, publication opportunities, publisher guidelines, and step-by-step -step blog posts. For more info, please visit our site at www.comicbookschool.com. Be sure to join our forums and follow us on social media while you're there. We'll see you on the message boards. This is the amazing question, and you're listening to It Came From The Radio. The Patah. If you had any honor, you would listen to Sci-Fi.Radio, the sci-fi for your Wi-Fi. Kapla! Now, back to our show. So that about does it for this week on the Came From The Radio. Join us right here any week on this radio station. If you miss any part of this show, tough. go to our newly revised website, www.itcamefromradio.com. The archives will be up in a week or so. Check us out on such places as btd.radio, sci-fi.radio, indievolt.com, centraloregonradio.com. Check us out on our places such as Facebook, Instagram, YouTube page, Twitter. And always follow the cost-benefit ratio. If the benefits outweigh the costs, do it. If the costs outweigh the benefits, don't do it. Or just Google, it came from the radio. And we'll see you next week. You've been listening to It Came From The Radio with Mark Torres. The views of the show's hosts and guests did not necessarily reflect that of the management, owners, or staff of the station. We now return you to your earthly scheduled broadcast.